0: everybody, welcome to the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, with the Kentucky Derby just a couple days away, I thought it'd be great to reach out to two owners, uh, Kirk Gobby and Robert Slack of Don't Tell My Wife Stables, as they are a part owner of My Boy Jack, the horse who will be running in this year's Kentucky Derby. It was a great discussion. We talked about how the stable began, the partnerships evolved, uh, how they went about buying my boy Jack, and also the future of the horse. So it was a really, really fun and interesting podcast. I think you'll like it a lot. Before we get into that first podcast, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a Boston College football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to get more details and to sign up. Also like to remind everybody if you want to advertise on this podcast, just email lightscamera sports ads, ADS at gmail.com. Alright, first we'll hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Lovin' Pizza, and then go into the podcast with Robert Slack and Kirk Gobby of Don't Tell My Wife Stables. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC Alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amage Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at
1: chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's Chestnut Hill Technologies. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple to offer the most creative selection of hand tossed, all natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles!
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. Well, everybody, you know, taking a little break from the BC talk this week. and uh, it's, it's a good reason why, because we're right at the start of Triple Crown season, Triple Crown Racing and uh, a f- big honor here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. We're able to talk to two of the owners of uh, one of the prominent horses has really emerged this year, and my boy Jack from Don't Tell My Wife Stables and Monomoy Stables. Um, so we're lucky enough to be joined by Kirk Gobby and Rob Slack. Kirk is the COO of Flexible Workforce. Rob, the president of Flexible Workforce. Um, so first of all, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for Glad having me here. Let's just take it back, Rob, uh, Kirk, uh, also to let the listeners know, my father, Michael Gulcherry, as well as a partnership with these guys in Don't Tell My Wife Stables. But first, Kirk, let's go, that that stable founded in uh, 2010, I believe. But Kirk, take us back to how you got involved in the horse racing growing up and your relationship with Keith DeSermo. Sure, sure. About
2: 25 years ago, I had... Uh... I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and born and raised, and I been a year and a half in Southern California um, trying to figure out if I was going to be a good commercial real estate agent or not, and I figured out I wasn't very good at it. So I came home, and, and my dad asked me what I'm going to do, and I said, I want to go work for your trainer. My dad had horses in uh, at Louisiana Downs, and um, he sort of thought I was crazy, but I, I did it, and I, I moved over there the first day uh, I was in the barn. I was grooming four horses. And the first day I was in the barn, I um, standing in the stall, and this guy's walking a horse around the shed row, and he stops and starts talking to me, and it was Keith DeSormo. And uh, we just, we hit it off, we became really close friends in a short period of time. We played basketball at night, tennis, um, a lot of dinners, and we just formed a really good bond. And, and I, I was there for six months, I came back to Fort Worth, I started a logistics company and started raising a family and always stayed in touch with him and and uh, seen a couple of really nice clients along the way and then um, in 2010 we decided to 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 fire up don't tell my wife stables
0: and that you know that's a great segue to Rob as well talk about how the stables formed and the the name itself and how everything got evolved Uh, fast forward to 2010
3: yeah, we uh, you know we were down in New Orleans for a board of directors meeting for the uh, CLDA, and uh, your father, myself, and Kirk were all past presidents of the association as well as a couple of the other guys that were with us.
0: And just to let listeners know, CLDA stands for the Customized uh, Logistics Delivery Association. So all these guys are courier owners across the country.
3: That's right. You know, expedited, same-day courier guys. So uh, we were down there, and, and Kirk said that he knew Keith and that uh, if we wanted to go over to the fairgrounds, uh, Keith would give us a back, uh, stretch tour, and we thought that'd be a, a fun day. So we all went over and, you know, enjoyed some racing and went out and uh, went out to the stables and walked around. And uh, one of our uh, friends, who's also past president, Rob Johnstone, got bit on the shoulder by a horse. We thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, so after the tour, you know, it was great, and you know we were standing around talking, and Keith said, "You know, you guys ought to throw in a couple bucks. We'll buy a horse, and you know, have some fun with it." And you know, we all kind of chuckled and laughed, but, uh, We went back into the French Quarter that night as we were doing our rounds down there. You know, we kept talking about it, and your father kept bringing it up, actually. And uh, finally, we said, you know, at the end of the night, we said, well, let's do it. You know, let's all put in some money, and and let's go do this thing. So that kind of started off a a process where, you know, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, There's a lot of licensing and, you know, a lot of things that have to be done to, to basically own a stable. So we ended, we started having a series of conference calls with the uh, eight of us who were original the original partners, and uh, at the end of every call, your father uh, would say, "Whatever you do, guys, don't tell my wife I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, she'll think I'm nuts." Your mother, by the way, happy birthday to your mother. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, Mike would end the call with that every week. So when it got down to the point where you know Kirk was setting up all the books and we were getting the licensing and doing all that. He said, so i got to set up the LLC. What do you think we should name the, the stable? I said, well, I said, it's easy. Don't tell my wife stables. <laughs> that's the way he named it, and it kind of stuck. And, uh, you know, uh, some people like it, some people don't, but uh, we've had a lot of fun with
0: it. Yeah, it's one of those things, it is what it is type deal. Well, you guys, just – uh, my mom does know about it now, too, for anyone who's wondering as well. <laughs> but, uh, Kirk, too, just take us back to the early days. People, I don't think, realize that, the ups and downs, the – claiming the horses, and kind of what that whole process was like back in 2010.
2: Yeah, you bet. You know, we, we, uh, we claim a horse, keep a, you know, claim a horse uh, for us, and, and uh, you know, obviously this was all about just having a lot of fun, and uh, we ended up claiming a horse by the name of Alcazar, who peeled off like three or four straight wins, and, um, you know, everybody's you know thinking that it's new to this starts thinking this is easy and i kept reminding people everybody that it's not this way typically you just this doesn't happen and (laughs) and you know we uh, we moved on to a second partnership claiming partnership we had maybe three or four of them um, some successful had a couple where where a horse got hurt and it kind of we kind of moved on and formed another uh, partnership but um you know excitement started building and um, a couple of guys said you know why don't we raise some more money and try to and let's let Keith buy some yearlings, and Keith had been, you know, under the radar but very successful buying yearlings with not a whole lot of money. And um, so we raised a little bit more money and and um, bought a couple of horses in our first kind of bigger type partnership, and then um, a couple of really nice ones, and then a, uh, another one the following uh, 2013, and then in the 2014 group we ended up uh, purchasing Danette, which was a Grade One filly. Uh, we bought her for 45,000. She was a curling Philly. And um, man, what, what a thrill, you know, that was for all of us. I mean, she's, <clears throat> she ran fourth in Alabama, I think fourth in the coaching club, Oaks. Uh, fantastic, fantastic Philly. And um, we moved on from there to uh, one other partnership. And now here we are with uh, the 2016 group. But, yeah, I will have to say that, that um, what really pumped a lot of energy into this is Exaggerator. i I'm the stable manager for big chief Racing with matt Bryan, and and um exaggerator obviously you know pumped a lot of excitement into it and it kind of rolled over to don't tell my wife stables and saw Kuman got involved with his monomoy stables and we went to the sale and um uh, with a lot- more money and and we ended up uh, buying my boy jack one of the last horse we bought out of six horses there at Keeneland. and um you know, obviously
0: thrilled to death. Yeah, you know, and I remember that and that run, that kind of exciting. And then you're right, Exaggerator. For people who may not know, uh, winner of the 2016 Preakness, second place in the Derby as well, a good sit- stretch in the uh, Haskell and Saratoga. Um, just talk about, too, how exaggerated, give us the details how that really fired people up and it was trained by Keith and uh, really helped your stable. And to be honest with you guys, when I, Exaggerator is like a, when you watch My Boy Jack, it's just like a carbon copy. He likes the, you know, rain. He won the Preakness in the rain. My Boy Jack has done well in the rain. They're both deep closers. Just, Rob, if you can go into like how that all, the details of Exaggerator who really helped you guys out and kind of paved the way for this year.
3: Well, you know, Kirk could probably tell you a little bit more about Exaggerator. He was a lot more involved uh, than I was. I wasn't actually in that partnership. But, uh, you know, Exaggerator, you know, a lot of it has to do with, Know, how much heart the horse has i mean it, it sounds kind of funny to say that but you know some horses really have a drive they know why they're on the track they they know what their goal is is to beat the other horses you know an exaggerator certainly had that and you know we see the same thing in, in my boy jack so uh you know the, the the fact that he carries himself with such class and such confidence uh is a is a really positive thing for us and you know i think uh, the the closing speed i don't know what uh, keith does with these horses i mean we have a heart attack on most races because he's, you know, 15 lengths back and he's dead last in the back stretch. And then so all of a sudden he hits the turn and he puts the burners on. Um, so I'll let the, uh, Kirk talk a little bit more about the Exaggerator.
0: Yeah, Kirk, what do you think about Exaggerator? How, how that detail, that really helped you guys out two years ago.
2: Well, uh, first of all, you're about the comparison between the two. Um, you know, Keith has a certain style or a certain type of horse that he looks for when he buys he's looking for classic route runners and and you're right these these two horses look very similar um uh but you know the exaggerator thing going on that ride you know the triple crown races and um you know just you know everybody gets excited about it and um you know and then their friends get excited about it and like i said it just it kind of spilled over to to don't tell my wife stables and you know some you've got a lot of great partners and it's been a lot of, you know, support from them and uh, believing in our program. And, again, it, it, this starts with Keith DeSormo. It, it, it's not any we, – we can't take any credit for, for much. We, we keep track of things and have a lot of fun with it. But it starts with Keith DeSormo, and he's uh, one of the best in the country at picking out young athletes and, and obviously bringing them up and training them to, to these big races.
0: Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm. Based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum, CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's Technologies
1: com. At Stone and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin''s three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go eagles and then rob let's fast forward now to this year
0: uh my boy jack first of all what were your first impressions of him you mentioned kirk mentioned it was you know twenty thousand dollar purchase you know what what were the goals the expectations going to this year and obviously when the southwest stakes he won that that came around expectations were raised but when did you really know that you had a potential derby horse on your hands
3: well, when he when he was down at uh, in Ocala, we uh, we use Mayberry Farms down there. April Mayberry and her team does a great job of breaking two-year-olds, and uh, we you know we have a call every uh, week or two with Keith, and he he kind of runs down all the horses, and you know he was saying very early on that you know my boy Jack, you know we think he's something special, uh, the way he was just you know training at the farm, and then when he got him out to Santa Anita, you know he was real impressed with him, his works, uh, you know his work ethic. Uh, so, I mean, we've been talking about uh, Jack now for, you know, a solid year, you know, over a year that we thought he had what it takes. So, you know, just to be able to get there, I mean, the, the whole point system with the derby is, you know, in some people's opinion, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that the best horses are in, but I think this year you've probably got uh, the best field that I've seen in the derby in maybe 30 years. And uh, so, you know, I, we, we, we've we known it for a long time, you know, it's, it's time to prove it out, and we think... know that Louisiana Derby finish if you watch that I mean that horse ran probably 50 feet more than anybody else in the whole field you know he went so wide in the turn and and he still only just uh, just missed it by you know three-quarters of a length so we've known about it for a long time it's just uh, so so great to be at this position where we can you know put him up against the best in the world and uh, see how he comes out
2: yeah
0: and then yeah go ahead Kurt
2: yeah I was gonna add you know uh was interesting about it you know he he ran on turf as a two-year-old, and the reason he, he did is because there, there weren't any route races in California in the summer that, you know, were in a two-turn race. And so um, he ends up winning, um, uh, ran well in a, in a mile, maiden special weight, and then came back in the Zuma Beach Stakes and, and broke his maiden in a stakes race. And um, that's that's kind of what um, kind of launched him. Uh, but he showed that that turn of foot in that race. I remember that race, and uh, uh, that that projected him into the Breeders' Cup um, Juvenile Turf. And I tell you, if we would have had a good trip, we, we would have won that race. It's just one of those things, as people know, all your listeners. It just sometimes you don't don't get a good trip. He was five wide the entire trip, and we lost by three lengths in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And the horse that won that race is Mendelson, who's. Back from Europe and uh, competing against us in the Derby, but that—that's really where the excitement, I think, started. We knew he was a really nice colt, and Keith had been telling me that you know he really feels like he's as good or better on the dirt. And then it wasn't until the Sham that he, you know, he proved he can run on the dirt, and um, you know, the the next races certainly proved him out as well.
0: And Kirk, you mentioned too. Uh, about the partnerships and, with this horse and big partnership, obviously Montemoy Stable, Sal Kumin, uh Foger Hill uh, Hedge Fund. Most of our, a lot of our listeners, excuse me, are from Boston, so they know Sal. Just talk about what he's meant to the partnership and uh, how he's got involved and how you guys all formed a bond uh, to get this going with Montemoy Stables with my boy Jack.
2: Yeah, we 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 met Sal uh, uh, when he bought into Exaggerator. I think it was in April before the Santa Anita Derby. And um, got to know him. He was, a great, he was a great partner. And I tell you, <clears throat> Saul Cuman has done more for horse racing. Uh, the, he's, he's, he has so, so much excitement and passion for this sport. Um, he has a lot of horses. He's got the favorite uh, in the Kentucky Oaks and Monomoy Girl. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's just, he's, he's been fantastic. We, we all are on the same page, and it's all about the horse. And um, it's just, it's been a fun ride with him.
0: I love too all the ba- the references Massachusetts, Monomoy Island, right there, Cape Cod, Nantucket, a lot of Massachusetts in his name uh, with the horses. Talk about how my boy Jack got his name.
2: Well, we uh, I called Saul up, and in fact, we have another uh, group of two year olds coming up that haven't been named yet, and we bought six horses, as I said, and I said, you know, why don't you pick the first two? I'll pick the you know we'll pick the next three, and then you you can pick the last one. And so he sent his first two. We sent our next three in, and and uh, he picked the last one and and uh, named him uh, my boy Jack.
0: There you go, there you go, that's awesome. And guys, talk about two. You know, I saw you guys down at the Louisiana Derby. Talk people who do I not know, uh, Rob? How the horse qualified for the Kentucky Derby and the, kind of the the point system, how that all works, and the guy the, how. You went from Louisiana to Lexington to Kentucky Derby, a little bit roundabout route, but got the job done with my boy Jack to qualify.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if we had won the Louisiana Derby, we would have had plenty of points, and we would have just rested them up in in preparation for the Derby. But uh, as it was, you know, catching the the third, we we basically were right on the bubble. So we didn't know if we were going to get in or not get in. And, you know, we, we had several conversations about it. You know, what should we do? Uh, we kind of ruled out the Arkansas Derby. and then you know, if we ran him in the Lexington, at least we'd get him over to uh, Kentucky uh, so that if he you know if the race was a you know a tiring race on him, he'd have he wouldn't have to travel. He could just rest up there. So uh, if we thought that you know we were in a lock for the Derby, we wouldn't have run him in the Lexington, but uh, because we we just didn't want to take that chance, we ran him. and you know like he said, he says, if he can't win in the Lexington, then he doesn't deserve to be in the derby. and Sure enough, he he won the Lexington, so uh, we got in with plenty of points, and uh, we
0: were very excited uh,
3: when he won that race.
0: And that's a great segue, Rob Kirk. I saw you after the race of the interview, and just talk, both of you guys, talk about what your last two weeks have been like since the winning of Lexington, and realizing, uh, um, you know, that you'll be in the Kentucky Derby. Man,
2: first of all, it's just, it's a dream. It's a dream come true, it's why we all get in this crazy game, and and uh, to, to be there and, and watch your horse uh, win a big stakes race at Keeneland, of all places, you know, one of the most special places you could want to win a stakes race at, and punch his ticket to the Derby, there's no, no better feeling than that. And then the last two weeks, gosh, we have just been, I don't even know if I've taken really step back enough to really realize it as much, because it's sort of been surreal, but we've been so busy with logistics. We have uh, 66 people. On our side, coming in for the race and uh, the logistics of ticketing and hotels and in and out and coordinating, you know, uh, transportation and everything. It's been uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but uh, we're just about there. So very excited to enjoy a a nice week uh, coming up, and um, let's see if we can get the job done on Saturday.
0: And Rob, let's get your thoughts as well on that too—the Derby prep.
3: Well, you know, it is an awful lot of work, and you know, Kirk and I have been partners on several other businesses outside of, uh, you know, the horse business. And you know, the great thing about being partners with Kirk is that he does all the work, and I get to take all the glory. So, <laughs> cake for me. Uh, he, I know he's been he's been pretty stressed out, but uh, I'm having a real fun, a lot of fun with it.
0: You know, guys, I think people don't realize the path that it's been on. Was there a moment with adversity with the stables when you were like, well, I don't know if this day will ever come? Did those thoughts ever come into play? Because it's not all straight line, like a stock market straight up. There's some ups and downs. So were there any of those moments in the last couple of years? Uh,
2: I don't think we, uh, you know, I guess the best way to put it is, as long as Keith Sormo is buying you horses, you have a chance. You always have a shot. And it doesn't matter if it's a, $150,000 Hundred fifty thousand dollar horse or a twenty thousand. Um, y- y- as long as he's he's buying horses for us, we- we'll always have a chance. We just it's, we just hope that these that these young yearlings, you know, grow into nice, you know, classy two year olds and and have what it takes. And some do and some don't. I mean, um, you can look at Exaggerator was bought for one hundred and ten, and but uh, a lot of folks might might forget about Swipe that same year that. Big Chief Racing owned, and Keith bought him for 5000 And he ran second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So, you know, it, it's like I said earlier, the whole key is Keith DeSormo.
0: And then and that's a great segue. Rob, the other end of the equation is brother, Kent DeSormo, the jockey. Just talk about him. You know, he rode Exaggerator, had some personal problems, but has bounced back very nicely. And the Hall of Famer jockey is a great ride for my boy Jack.
3: Yeah, you know, you can't you can't take anything away from Kent. When he gets on the back of a horse, he is fearless. I mean, that is a very dangerous job. You're out there running those horses at full speed. You know, if something happens and you you get dismounted, uh, you know, you could be you could be gone. So uh, you got to give a ton of credit. I mean, you have to think so fast. You have to make decisions. You know, literally, you know, five feet in front of where you need to make a move. Uh, Kent's done a, a tremendous job for us, and we couldn't be happy with the. Happier with the fact that he's he's riding for us, and you know, to, to sit there at a dinner and, and listen to him and uh, Keith go at it, it it's quite comical. <laughs> all
0: right, guys. Well, we're down like the final minute here. I like to wrap it up. I like to get your Derby thoughts on the the field itself and how everything we all shapes up. I know who you're rooting for, uh, but just your general thoughts. Start first with Kirk and uh, on the whole Kentucky Derby this year.
2: Well, you know, Rob Rob said it best. Earlier, this, this might be the best crop in, in 30 years, and uh, a lot of a lot of experts saying the, saying the same thing. I mean, you've got uh, you got Justify, uh, Bob Paffert's horse, um, you've got Mendelson coming in, um, good Magic, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile champion. I mean, this 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 field is loaded, um, and uh, you know uh, th- the thing I really like about this is that you know it's a 20 horse race. Anything can happen, and I love the way our horse runs. He's fresh, he's thriving right now, and he's got that late kick. And I, we just hope that he can turn the afterburners on and hopefully catch them down the stretch. And we'll see how it, how it ends up.
0: That's great, and Rob.
3: Yeah, you know, I, you know, it is a great field, and and it's going to be a tough race. There's going to be a lot of speed up front on this. Uh, you know, the post position gets pulled on Tuesday. I know Keith doesn't really care what post position we get. You know, personally, I'd like to see middle of the pack or even just a little bit on the outside so that he doesn't uh, get pinched in any traffic. But you know you're gonna see him, he's going he's not going to be up there with the leaders in the front, that's for sure. but you watch him coming into the turn. he's gonna start to turn it on, and uh, I think he's going to give everybody a show.
0: Well, it's going to be exciting no matter what. Before I let you go, I mentioned Flexible Workforce, the company that you guys run. Tell our listeners what that's all about and uh, just give us a brief description of Flexible Workforce.
3: Well, you know, Flexible Workforce is a uh, logistics support company. Uh, We have technology and benefit programs for independent contract drivers for the trucking and the courier industry. Uh, The courier industry is basically supported by independent contractors. I know both your father... uh, kirk and myself started off as independent contractors and, and grew our own sole, sole proprietorships into much larger companies uh so it's a, it's a great industry it's a, it's a tough industry and we help all these different courier and trucking companies manage that process and and manage the you know the contracts of the drivers and the benefits for drivers and so you know we're kind of a driver driven organization and uh we just started the the company last year. We went uh, live in December, and uh, things are doing very well. Thanks to Kirk. He's the, he's our tech guy, so he's the one that made it all happen.
0: And then Kirk, what's uh, you're the tech guy? What's the best way people can look up more information on flexible workforce, like websites, etc.
2: Uh, uh, www.flexibleic.com.
0: That's the best way to get it. Well, you know, it's a very exciting time, guys. I thank you so much for the time here. Just a, a couple days away from the Kentucky Derby and my boy Jack. It's been a lot of fun to cover and to see it all develop from the, the spring and now into the Kentucky Derby. So uh, we wish everyone all the best of luck. Okay, thank you very thank you, much. All right. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Image Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com.
1: That's Chestnut Hill Technologies. At Stone and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin''s three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go eagles well thanks so much to rob slack
0: and kirk gobby of don't tell my wife stables it was such a fun podcast to talk about and also learn about the kentucky derby which is just a couple days away also like to remind everybody if you're a bc football fan you need to be a part of the bc football gridiron club just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details also like to remind everybody too. Uh, if you want to advertise on this podcast, just email Lights Camera Sports Ads. That's ads at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much to Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone and Pizza. This is Mike Galtieri signing off. We'll see you again next week.